At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you're smiling. Hey, you. Bubbly sparkling water is crisp, refreshing, and perfect for any occasion. Kind of like my voice, but in a can. No calories, no sweeteners, all smiles. Bubbly. Crack a smile. This episode is brought to you by Google. Google's two-step verification was built to secure your account and help prevent cyber attacks, even if your password is compromised. That's why Google has made it easy to sign into your account with this additional layer of protection. Just one tap and you're in. Learn more at safety.google. Hello, movie lovers. Welcome to the best damn movie related show here on the internet. This is your host, as always, from Movie Lovers Unite, John DeGoria. For today's podcast, I'm going to be talking about 13 Ghosts. So, if you don't know this or anything like that, for like the last two days, I've been doing uh, my 31 days of horror reviews. Now, I'm going to be picking out different movies to actually review for the 31 days of horror that I actually like. And not only that, but this is actually going to end all the way up until Halloween. So if you guys haven't checked out the first two episodes where I'm talking about You're Next. And then Tuesday I talked about the Belco Experiment. Check those out. And the reason why I chose two of those movies is because of the fact that those two movies are the most unrated movies when you look at slasher and horror films. And I don't want to talk about mainstream horror films just yet. I want to talk about movies that nobody has even seen before or the simple fact that nobody even talks about those movies anymore. And I want to go down to the bottom of the barrel and talk about those first before I actually talk about what's mainstream right now that I actually like. Because I like introducing people to new films. That's what my channel is all about. This is what my movie page is all about, is uniting people together to actually watch a certain movie. So, without further ado, let's go on ahead and get into this 13 Ghosts review. This is actually a remake of the 1960s 13 Ghosts, and it's actually, this time it's directed by Steve Beck, who also directed Ghost Ship, and it stars Matthew Lillard, F. Murray Abraham, Tony Shalhoub from, guess what, Monk, and like I said, Matthew Lillard is also in this movie too, and he played in Scream if you don't know who he is or anything like that. But I like the fact that you actually have some good actors in this movie. And Tony Shalhoub in this movie is just fantastic. I like I enjoy him as an actor. I always liked him in Monk. I liked him in other movies too besides that. Even in Wings. And Matthew Lillard. I like Matthew Lillard. He's a big old huge uh, D&D geek like I am. He's into other stuff too. But anyways, let's go on ahead and get back on topic. But 
the opening scene is what sells me the most for this movie. For the simple fact, it has that little bit of Nightmare on Elm Street feel to it, where you actually see this junkyard, and the cameras are panning over into the junkyard setting with the credits, cre- credits, and, you know, I, I was sunk into this whole entire thing when I saw this on DVD for the very first time, because I like having that little bit of horror feel to it, where it feels like a Nightmare on Elm Street type type of movie, and then it cuts into Matthew Lillard and F. Murray Abraham in the junkyard, and you're wondering, why are they in the junkyard? What's going on in the junkyard? And come to find out, they have this big old huge truck filled with blood, and you're wondering, why are they spraying down all these cars with blood? What's the deal with the blood? And come to find out, they're using that as bait to trap these ghosts, and the only way to actually see these ghosts, too, is to, with the glasses. And anyways, they trap this one ghost called the Juggernaut. And the first thing that comes to my mind is, I'm the Juggernaut, bitch, from The Last Stand. And that was a horror movie, horrible movie. But still, they trap the ju- Juggernaut in this giant, huge, Ghostbuster-like trap, and they wind up having him. Now, it, then after that, it opens up with Tony Shalhoub. And, and them, and come to find out, his uncle passes away, and he winds up leaving him this glass house. And this is actually a family that's actually struggling, especially after their house burnt down, and a couple other things actually happened, but I'm not going to get into those issues that happened with their old house. But anyways, they need a new house and everything anyways, but, they're, but his good old Uncle Cyrus... He winded up giving him a new house. They go on ahead and check this thing out. Matthew Lillard's over there pretending he's an electrical person when he's not really an electrical person. He's probably there for whatever reasons being because there's always a catch in horror movies on why certain people are there. They're not there because they care about the person or anything. They're in there for their own selfish reasons. And, you know... That's perfectly understandable. And I, another thing, too, is I'm going to be honest with you. There's no lyrics to these characters at all. But you can actually care about these characters because of the way they were actually developed. And you're wondering if this family is going to make it out of, out of this glass house alive. But another thing, too, is if you think about it, this also feels like Hellraiser in a sense. Because it's in this uh, glass house. And it's kind of like look like a cubicle kind of feel to it. And these ghosts are actually in the house. But, of course, they can't see that the ghosts are in the house or anything like that. They just see open space, open windows, pretty much, because it's a glass house. Those who don't throw the first stone in the glass house, you know the, you know the rest of the quote. But, anyways, um, I, just, I just fell in love with this movie. And I like the fact that if you hit a certain type of switch, it unleashes the ghosts and stuff like that and I also like the fact that they also have to be careful at what switches to actually uh, change up and everything too because once you hit that switch it just keeps on going until it leashes all the ghosts inside that house and the next thing you know it hell is unleashed inside that house and they actually have to wear the glasses in order for them to see these ghosts and that's the like I said that's another good horror aspect to it the only thing that I actually have to say that I don't like about the fact is, is the fact that when they use the lighting, when they use the fast-paced lighting, it feels like the 1999 thing of the House, um, House on Haunted Hill because they actually use that kind of effect for, for the 
for that kind of horror movie. And I was actually expecting something a little bit different whenever I first saw that. But seeing it now, seeing it in its context now, it actually makes sense because it does give you that little edge on edge of your seat type of thing. But, you know, it's just a small little negative that I had during that time compared to now. And it actually works for what it is for back in 2001. The practical effects are really good when it comes down to these ghosts and stuff like that. And I also like the fact, too, they actually give you an origin story with every single ghost that's inside the house. And I'm just going to go on ahead and give you a little bit of what the ghost names are. You have the gambler, Jimmy the Gambino. Then you also have the bound woman, the firstborn son, the dire mother, the hammer, the jackal, the juggernaut, and the angry princess. Now, everybody is always talking about how she looks hot and everything. All that is is she's she's not really naked. She's actually got the same type of makeup and everything that Marilyn Manson used for his video whenever he wanted to have tits and everything else. And... That's all that is. It's just pl- it's just plastic and stuff like that. There's nothing to it. So I don't get how people are getting off on the fact that she's naked. She's not naked. That's just a real practical effect that they actually use to make her look kind of horrifying and all skinned up and everything. I just don't get certain people. I don't get their humor when it comes to certain things like that. Because I'm, I'm like, it's rubber. It doesn't even matter if, she, if she's naked or anything. It's just rubber. But anyways, to each their own. If you're into that, that's cool for me and everything. It it doesn't turn me on at all. But hey, to each their own. But as I mentioned before, this movie actually works in a lot of ways that certain horror movies don't work today at all. Because of the fact that this movie, back in the day, in 2001, they didn't really use a lot of CGI or anything like that. They relied on special effects. And that's something that I really liked is that they use practical effects rather than CGI effects and they're able to capture regular effects. And sometimes it's overbearing on how they actually use certain CGI in movies today because you missed out on the whole entire plot of the movie because you're so so glued into the actual movie itself that with the CGI that you missed the whole entire plot opposed to practical effects where you can actually be glued in with the characters and actually care about what these characters are doing and have the practical effects in there and be like, wow, that's actually a pretty cool-looking monster with the practical effects opposed to having a CGI type of deal. But you can actually have a perfectly well-balanced with CGI and practical if it's done right. But during that time in 2001, there was not really a lot to actually go on whenever it came down to the special effects stuff. As a matter of fact, you can do a movie for like $5 million and they would actually sign away on it and go off and do make your movie and hopefully you'll make some money because they didn't really take their time like they do today making these horror movies that we have today, like The Conjuring or anything like that. They didn't have any faith in in making horror films. They're like, okay, you can make this movie for 5 or $7 million. Good luck. Here's your horror movie. We'll sign off on it and you go your way. You make your movie and good luck to you. And now they just take their time with their movies. They have everything pretty much well stocked up on what they want to do. It's Some of them are real slow burn movies. Some of them are not slow burn movies. Some of them are really good. Some of them are really bad. But my point is, uh, during the time and everything of 2001, they didn't have a lot of faith in horror movies at all. 
and that's why we get what we got with this movie. And I, like I said, I really enjoyed uh, Thirteen Ghosts. I really liked the whole entire thing with Tony Shalhoub having this family in this glass house. I liked uh, having Matthew Lillard in the movie. And then there's also the twist at the end of the movie that even makes it even more better, too. And once you see that plot twist and everything, you're like, what the heck just happened? Because of what happened in the mo- in that whole entire movie. But anyways, that's going to be it for my 13 Ghost review. I hope that you guys end up liking that part and everything. Because I know I did. I liked, I enjoyed 13 Ghosts a lot. As a matter of fact, I actually still own that DVD. And it still plays, believe it or not. That DVD still plays. So, there's that. So, I'm going to jump into a little bit of movie news. And also, I'm probably going to go on another rant about we got this covered. So, let's go ahead and get into this. So, Eddie Murphy has actually said today that after he gets done with Coming to America, his next movie is going to be Beverly Hills Cop 4. And I cannot wait until I see Beverly Hills Cop 4. I know a lot of people don't like Beverly Hills Cop 3, but... Here's the thing. I loved Beverly Hills Cop 3 for the simple fact it kind of reminded me of Universal Studios. You have him going through this amusement park and everything trying to investigate this I mean, this douchebag guy. And he's also riding on these rides and everything trying to shoot these, guys, shoot these bad guys and everything while he's on these rides. And I loved that whole entire aspect of the amusement park and this crooked person that shot his partner in Detroit. And he has to go after them once again in Beverly Hills. And that's what I loved about Beverly Hills Cop 3 was the amusement park setting. Then when Belky, that's what I'm going to call the guy because he was actually played on Perfect Strangers. And whenever he sells him that boombox, <laughs> the boombox thing is still cracks me up today. Especially when... You have this machine gun that's built in with a boombox, a microwave, and crap that you don't really need. And Eddie Murphy's over there trying to figure out how this thing works. And every button that he pushes is not the butt is not the thing to shoot somebody with. He either turns on the microwave, he shoots something out of the gun, which I don't remember what actually pops out of the gun, and then <laughs> he winds up turning on the boombox and then finally he gets to where he's actually shooting people with the while the music is playing with the uh machine gun this movie is everything that you want from a beverly hills cop movie and yeah i realized i just did a beverly hills cop 3 review but it's just how much i love the beverly hills cop 3 movie and i even like the first two films as well but for me as a kid growing up in the 90s and actually seeing this movie in the theater it brings back memories for me. I know that this movie took place in the 80s, but as a 90s kid, I enjoy the heck out of Beverly Hills Cop 3. I really do hope that they bring Belky back because he was actually in the second movie too. And I, I really enjoy seeing uh, Eddie Murphy, what he always does. He always brings his A-game when it comes down to his comedies and stuff like that. And, you know, I've been wanting him to have a little bit of a comeback because some, I'm going to be honest with you, some of his movies has been kind of, you know, lack, lacking the humor that he once had, just like Adam Sandler hasn't been hitting his home runs with his movies. But Eddie Murphy is now back on stand-up again, doing his thing, finding his voice again, which is something I like. He's doing Saturday Night Live again. 
And that's something that I really have to say is Eddie Murphy's actually trying to make a good comeback for himself. And he's knocking out of the park once again. And I can't wait to see Coming to America Part 2. And here's the thing. I love the very first Coming to America movie. And him being from um, being from the place that he was from. I want to say I forgot the actual place in Africa that he came from or whatever. I don't want to say Wakanda because I know that's wrong. But either way it goes, I really enjoy seeing him in that movie. And I can't wait until I see the second Coming to America movie because I enjoyed his performance and that is as Apkeem. But I'm just going to have to wait a little bit longer to actually see that movie. But in the meantime, I can still go into my DVR and watch Coming to America because I try and watch that movie at least once a month because it's that funny. Especially when you have Samuel Jackson in that movie too trying to rob the uh, McDonald's or McDonald's uh, restaurant with and everything. So that's what I love about Coming to America Part 1. I can't wait until Coming to America Part 2. I'm also ecstatic for Beverly Hills Cop 4 whenever it comes out. And I also like Beverly Hills Cop 3. So, I pretty much reviewed uh, Coming to America. And also did did a review for Beverly Hills Cop 3. Without even meaning to do a review on them. But, in order for me to talk about Beverly Hills Cop 4. I felt like I needed to geek out a little bit about Beverly Hills Cop 3. Because... It's just such a good action movie, and I really enjoy Eddie Murphy. But now I'm going to move on to, I know people might get tired of me talking about this, but we got this covered. God bless their little souls. I get I get online, and I see this god-awful article. Don't get me wrong. I want John Bernthal to come back. I want to see Charlie Cox to come back. I want to see France D'Afro come back as Kingpin. I want to see all those actors come back. But it's not going to happen. It's not going to freaking happen. So we got this covered and made this article saying, Oh, Charlie Cox said that he was going to come back. No, he didn't. He never said that one single time that he said he was going to come back. He might have said he's... He wants to be able to come back, and he if he's given the right time to come back, and he, if they welcome him to come back, yeah. That's just me paraphrasing on what I think he might have said, and then somebody ran off with it, and then said, oh, guess what? Charlie Cox is going to be Daredevil again. Oh, my God, really? Yeah, let's go ahead and type it up on our blog. No. What more do you guys want? What do you guys want? This reminds me of the time when Christian Bale said, you know what, I think I'll be open to doing another Batman movie. Oh my god, did you hear what he just said? He said he's going to be Batman again. Oh, Christian Bale said he's going to be Batman again. He never said that he was going to be Batman again. What more do you want, people? What more do you want from from Cox, huh? What more do you want from the dude? Do you want him to, do you want to write, this is what you should do. Go on ahead, get yourself some scented candles, put on some slow music, and then... After that, go on ahead, light your little daredevil nightlight. And then maybe he'll, Matt Murdock will emerge from the nightlight and say, Look guys, I'm sorry. It just didn't work out. I'm not going to be daredevil anymore. You know, sleep at peace. I gave you the best seasons that I could give you with daredevil. Case is closed. Maybe then you'll have some closure. But no. Instead, you guys just go on ahead. You run off. With these stupid 
the sites that have nothing to do with anything at all, you wind up being more stupid than what you really are. Because, number one, here's the thing. You don't even think, hey, um, what source does this actually comes from? Where do they get their source of information? No, this is why rumors are started in high school. This is why we can't have nice things. This is also why Karen from... Like I said before, when Karen heard a rumor that RDJ was going to be back as as Tony Stark, and then she tells Bob, and then Bob winds up getting excited, and I don't know why Bob is getting excited over nothing, because guess what? Karen don't know her ass from her elbow because there's nothing that's going to freaking happen. So get it out of your freaking skulls that this this thing is not going to happen. Because of the fact that this comes from a blogger that's probably 14 years old that don't know anything about movies at all or TV shows at all. I would like to see him come back, yes, but it's not going to happen. It's just like saying to your kids, you know what, kids, go to sleep and everything. It's Christmas time. We're going to go on and get ready for Santa. And guess what? She's like, okay, I'll get ready for Santa. Guess what? Santa's not coming. Because you know why Santa's not coming? Because he's not real. Just like how that article is not real. Because they're stupid pa- Because your parents hide the stupid Christmas presents underneath the tree. That's why there's no Santa Claus. That's also, too, why there's no freaking way that this is going to even happen. Because you don't even have any sources of information where this actually source, this source actually comes from. But yet, you're going to sit there and you're going to believe something from an article, from a blogger. Then, on top of that, you're going to say, well, just shut up and with the BS and everything. No, I'm not going to shut up with the BS or anything like that. Because you know why? Because of the fact that you said, oh, guess what? It, uh, did you see the other sources that are actually posting it? What, another blogging site? Did I actually need to read that whole article about, hey, did you hear about that? No, I don't need to hear that. So guess what? I'm going to go on ahead and post actual, actual information and everything, and not fool my fans into believing something that there is not. It's something that I take pride in. It's something that I'm careful about. It's something that I take into consideration because I don't like fooling people into clickbait or anything like that to get just to get shares. I'd rather post actual news that people are actually going to gravitate to and actually share because they're actually excited about legit news. Don't get me wrong. 99.9% of the time, I might get one wrong. But I own up to my mistakes. And this site does not own up to jack crap at all. And they even post fake articles with comic book stuff too. So don't sit there and tell me in your little cubicle that they're actually a legit source when they're not. Go to JoeBlow.com, Variety. Go to Latino Review. Go to any of the... Collider. Go to those sites. Those sites are actually legit sources. That's actually where I type out my articles and everything like that. So that way I can give you actual information. Rather than he said, she said bullshit. Because that's what it is. It's Limp Bizkit. He said, she said bullshit. That's what it is. So anyways. So... That's the end of what I have to say for this whole entire podcast. I hope you guys actually enjoyed what what I had to say and everything. Because the more I'm going to be talking about we got this covered, the more ticked off I'm going to get with this whole entire situation. So, let me go ahead and finish it off with this. If you guys are a big supporter, supporter, want to support my channel and everything else, I'm going to be posting a link below where you can actually donate uh, some money towards 
some microphones and stuff like that. Just give like four dollars, four dollars or whatever. You don't actually have to give it or anything like that. This show will still be for free. It's just something that I'm doing just to just to try and get some better equipment up inside here. So, anyways, tell me what you guys think about some of the topics I actually talked about, and also too, I'm gonna I'm gonna be posting as always um, the voicemail setting to where you guys can actually send in some questions and stuff like that. So until next time, bye-bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.